0: Welcome to Lead to Succeed. This is the podcast to hear from the leaders of today in various fields from entrepreneurs to corporate directors.
1: We hear their stories, lessons learned and challenges faced as well as insights and advice to become a successful and an inspiring leader.
0: The podcast is presented by us, Callum and Rebecca Jenkins, as we both believe that we all have the potential to be outstanding leaders if that's what we choose. welcome to our lead to succeed podcast hosted by myself Rebecca Callum and today we are delighted to have Steve Ritz on the line with us and Steve is from Arizona where I think right now he's told us it is extremely hot but before we get into that I would really like to introduce Steve so, Steve is the, C, the Chief Experience Officer of Imagine, which we're going to have, hear a lot about, and Steve has a slogan, which is, whatever it takes, and I really get the sense of that with you, Steve, whatever it takes, you are going to reach your ambitious goal, which we're going to be hearing about. Now, you live in the Hawaiian Islands.
2: You're in there. Um, Welcome to our podcast. Listening audience, yeah, so why is my home? Why is yeah. your home?
0: So, yeah, welcome to the podcast. And we are really looking forward, we're going to have an exciting uh, experience with you today. I can feel your sense of enthusiasm coming through already. So, I'm going to kick off with the first question, Steve, and that is, what do you think is the key difference between being a manager and a leader?
2: I love this question um, and I love it for a lot of reasons because I think sometimes the idea of leadership and management get um, intertwined and almost used synonymously. And um, I make a very clear distinction. Management is the oversight of process. Leadership is the development of the number one aspect of a business, human capital. So when I have a process, if it works, I just have someone give oversight, that's management. If it breaks, management speaks to leadership about how to fix it. Leadership, on the other hand, is about teaching people how to expand their capabilities and capacities. And so fundamentally, not all managers end up leaders, and frankly, not all leaders are good managers. But that would be the big distinction. Process versus people, growth versus oversight. Does that make sense? It does. And
0: and it's, I agree with that completely. Um, It's not a process at all. And I like the way that you've described it as the human capital. And how do we develop that, expand that, make the most of that?
2: Well, um, I'm going to quote my good friend, Andy Swan, who actually, Andy lives in, in, in your neck of the woods over there. And, um, He's uh, from, uh, I think, where Shakespeare grew up. uh, Good point. Yeah. Boy, that's really stretching my mind for me at literature days back back beyond. But Andy um, likes to talk about humans at work, right? And I've got a good friend here. um, He calls it humanology. So the development of those types of skill sets or the process by which we bring people into either silos of management or leadership has got to be human-centric. It has to have empathy. In today's day and age, people feel less safe than they ever have in the workplace, and I'm not simply speaking of the pandemic. That is, in fact, a major factor. However, pre-COVID, people would tell you they did not feel safe emotionally at work. So, the, par- the problem of being a human being is everywhere I go, all of me comes with me. And so we work so hard to compartmentalize when that's not the natural state of high levels of performance. High levels of performance come when I'm a total being. So by being empathetic and being more people-centric or humanist, right, humanology, that, that, that focus of redefining the purpose of the workspace so that people can feel alive, playful, safe, curious, engaged, that's where the development process always starts. When I'm coaching, managing, consulting, leading, anything, I have to have an empathetic bridge to understand where people are at. Otherwise, it's just all noise. They're not listening.
1: I think that's a really good point, Stephen. You know, we talked about that. then we a little bit. Just now beforehand about kind of especially with younger people kind of wanting more from their jobs rather than just a paycheck and like having the whole kind of um emotional side to it and you know wanting to just kind of get more out of their of their career than than just the money and the progression side of things um and in terms of your career steve do you you've had a couple of different roles and a variety of different things largely a lot of your career has been sort of running your own company and sort of working for yourself um do you think there was a is there any particular time that sort of stands out where you felt like maybe you transitioned from a manager
2: to more of a leader you know when I was thinking about this before um I've been put in management roles and I think there's an old movie line nobody puts baby in a corner um so like for me management was a corner it was like I wanted to interface with people. I didn't want to just oversee process. And so from a very young age, I played soccer or, as you would say, across the pond, football, right? Um, I, and I played semi-professionally, and um, I was a striker. So for me, it was always about leading the ball down the field, right, and and um, and, and putting it in the goal. And And I had a coach very early on who said to me, If you want it to be, you know, um, then, you know, if if, if it's to be, it's up to me. I think it's how he said it. And so from, uh, from a catalytic perspective, I only managed when I was required to because I think my natural predisposition was I wanted to be a leader. And I think there's a difference between wanting control because we're afraid of outcomes and wanting to lead because you're excited about outcomes, right? Um, But there were two places in particular, um, Kellum, where this was true. My first job ever in Chicago, I was in the restroom at lunchtime after having gone for a jog, and uh, our facilities where I worked had full showers, and I was taking a shower, and um, the boss came in, and he said, how was lunch? I said, uh, well, I'm about to eat it right now. He said, well, you only got five minutes left. I said, yeah, I'm just going to wolf it down. Well, what would you do during lunch? I went for a run, to which he said to me, we don't do that here. (laughs) And that's when I knew that my days of being managed were over. Within six months, I'd left left Chicago and started a new opportunity in um, the metropolitan Phoenix area, where I happen to be visiting now. So that's the best story I can give you. I was done with management after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I can I can definitely relate to that. I think that would um, I think if you've got that sort of entrepreneurial sort of like leadership sparking you, that would be enough to think, mm, yeah, it's probably not the right place for me.
2: <laughs> for sure. I think that's a funny um,
1: yeah, funny funny example given, like quite a, um, an odd place to <laughs> for it to stick in your mind as well, isn't it?
2: Right, right. Very weird, but that was that was the uh, that was the tipping point for sure. Great question. And you probably have seen it um, because unfortunately it's very prevalent. When you have a, a generation of baby boomers who have been conditioned to run companies certain ways, and you have a whole bunch of innovators with millennials, they're always bringing new ideas to the table. And when they hear like, uh, "Hey, we don't do that here," <laughs> they're going to leave and go become the competition for sure. And, um, and I'm going to coach them to go beat them. Because, like, yes. we've got to have a more open mind, right? It's important. Without,
0: without doubt, we've got to have a more open mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, so,
1: Steve, after you kind of made that transition into, you know, doing something different, is there any particular point that stands out in your career after that as, like, a really significant challenge you faced as a leader? Is there anything that sort of stands yeah. out?
2: the very first um the very first time i started my own business here in in arizona and people always turn their heads sideways when i'm about to say what i'd say i opened a scuba diving store in the middle of the desert <laughs> and so well however logistically it was just a quick 6 hour drive to california or down to uh mexico in the beautiful sea of cortez so it's not as bad as people think it wasn't it was really a good business move um however i uh, saw the store grow from just at the time my wife and i and a partner all three of us were instructors between the three of us and our regular three jobs and throwing some money into this little dream we had our own business right and watch this a year later we had uh, grown to over a million dollars in gross sales a little scuba store in the desert 21 employees of which six were full-time, and uh, the other 15 were part-time. And uh, we'd have a staff meeting once a month. And of course, I think, oh, man, we must be doing something great. And I go into the staff meeting, guys, and you talk about mutiny on the bounty. One of the people got up and said, "Um, hey, why don't you sit down, boss? Um, We're going to run tonight's staff meeting. And I said, no, 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 I got it, really. We got lots to cover. And they're like, no, you're going to sit down or we're all going to walk out. I was like, whoa. So the biggest defining moment, and I've had many more, but this one just stands out. I think a lot of times in leadership, we think we have to be ready with something to say. And um, and I am because I'm well read. I'm very uh, like, I'm always wanting to learn. I'll have something to say, but I've learned. That really the greatest art of leadership is letting go, listening, and letting others lead. Now, that's a lot of L's, right? Letting go, listening, letting others lead. Um, But I will stand by that today. fact is, is I'll tell you, when you look at the companies that will fall today, they'll fall because they didn't let go, listen, and let others lead. Millennials represent the most educated generation to ever walk the planet Earth more knowledge, more information, more access fingertip-wise as to where to get it, and for the rest of us to say, hey, uh, we got something for you to hear, so sit down. Uh Uh-uh. So that was a big lesson, and I'm glad I learned it then. I have repeatedly had to learn it. First coach I ever had said, have you ever thought about the executive level tool of listening? And the first (laughs) word that (laughs) I was, well, that means I'd have to stop doing all the... And I was like... (laughs) Between those two, I'd say listening is a huge thing. How how much? How much?
0: How much of that do you see today, though, Steve? Still, I mean, you're you're working in all sorts of organisations. You've worked in some big corporates, really fairly recently. How much of that are you seeing today? Because it sounds so outdated to you, to me, and probably as well to Callum. But you know, are you still seeing that approach? In leadership I'm telling you what to do and I don't listen and
2: yeah um, unfortunately um, just before I came to Arizona on on loan for kind of a couple of big assignments we're working on for imagine that um, and a couple other companies I was asked to be the interim CEO of a company in, in Hawaii with 700 people And um, and I hadn't had this trip planned yet, so I was very open-minded to it. This trip a year ago, that's now been a year plus, right? But um, at the time, I was like, "All right, I'll I'll listen," because I've been an interim CEO a half dozen times, and I like it. It's fun for me to fix problems and to grow people. And so, in the end, I was, I really it was reinforced to me that no matter how positive I am and no matter how vibrant and willing to listen, willing to change and attract and be around and seek other people that are like-minded, like the two of you. Sometimes I think we live in our little bubble. And when I step into these worlds where I'm asked to go fix a company that has 700 people, 68% of them, 30 or younger, right? So young workforce. And I'm like, man, this will be awesome. And they said, yeah, here's the thing. We don't know how they talk. We don't want to know how they talk. Just, just fix this problem. I said, well, what's the problem? We can't communicate with them. I said, well, maybe the problem isn't 60% of your workforce. Maybe, and I was, I was just like I am with you now, a little silly. I said, maybe it's just the three of you. And um, we kind of looked at each other like, how dare you say this? Yeah. And I said, listen. I said, listen, I will contemplate this, but we're going to have to take a few weeks. And so we came into the last week, and I thought I'd got them to see what we needed to do. And they said, okay, we're on board. We agreed to everything, including your compensation. And frankly, I asked for a lot because I didn't want the job. I, I just didn't think that it was going to work. Something in my gut said, all the boxes are checks, but something's wrong. So when they said that, I said, okay, really? And they're like, yeah. They said, but one thing. We don't want to have to have anything to do with this. And I thought to myself, well, your offer is very lucrative, very much on my terms, but when you leave the most important part of the equation out, the people making the money for you, there's just no way I I can do it, right? You've got to be part of it. So the kind of long answer to your question is, yeah, it's pervasive, it's everywhere. I will leave the company not named, but one company that is so audacious it makes well over uh, $40 billion in net profits last year, right? A publicly traded company and that's why I'll leave them unnamed because they were my client. But um, when they don't even pay attention to why their senior level leadership leaves, it's just audacious. It's like, yeah, we got this. So yeah, I'm going to tell you, I think it's prevailing. And I talked to a lot of people In Callum's age group, who say, I left another job, I left another job, I left another job. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's out there. Well, giants are going to fall unless they start listening.
0: I know you're on a mission to change that, and we will come to that a little bit later on. But how important do you think um, it's been to you, Steve, and to people that you work with to, to have training in leadership? Do you think it's something natural? Do you think people actually need? or benefit from from training
2: leadership training development you know i've flip flat a flip flop back and forth are 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 leaders born or are they made right like um <laughs> another story from my youth i i was always a quiet shy guy and i went to a boarding school in high school and i i i fancied this young lady and and was going to ask her to like the fall dance and And at the boarding school, well, I didn't know what grade she was in. I was a freshman or ninth grade, and she was a 12th grader. And I just fancied her. I said, I'm going to ask her. And I asked her, and she said yes. And boy, did that piss off all the seniors. And the next weekend, I'm literally hanging by my underwear from my closet because of that. And I thought, this is not kind or nice, right? You know, I thought to myself, why are they doing this to me? And that's when this leader was born, right? Like, I was like, I'm not letting that kind of stuff happen to me anymore. So the the premise of training leaders, I think, whether they're born that way or we train them to become that way, now more than ever, I am about enormous collaboration, the more exposure I can get more people, including myself, to others doing it differently than I'm doing it. And it's all based on one thing, guys, the brain science, because we're blueprinters. I mean, look at some of the great leaders today and say personal development, Tony Robbins, Dale Carnegie, Zig Ziglar. No one would ever, ever debate that they've done amazing things. I would simply, de- I would simply debate that they probably could have done more amazing things. If and this is not judgment, it's just observation. If they had got their brain doing something different. I, I use Ta- Tony because he's a he's a he's a big hero of mine. But for 30 years, he's done three things: unleash the power within, date with destiny, and business mastery. Within that stylo, now he's got lots of other businesses, but like. Um, As a public speaker, I've never given the same address twice because I can't bring fire to it. I can't bring passion to it. So the training process for leaders has to be heavily based on experience. And the more experience that comes from outside the comfort zone, the more likely to get better results in firing up more passionate leaders. Does that resonate with you by creating that distinction?
0: Yeah, it does. It's, it's about looking at outside experiences to develop as a leader, I think is the key that I take away from that. And that's a really interesting point about Tony Robbins. I'm a big fan of his, and I've never looked at it that way. What, yeah, what and- could he have achieved, so, I mean, you know, I look at him, and I think why wow, he's, what, has he, what he has achieved is phenomenal, but you're right, he could have perhaps achieved
2: even greater things. Yeah, and I would hate for your listening audience to to misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm a fan, right? Yeah, I'm a fan. And yet here's the reality. If we live in the space of imagination, we are always in the production of new levels of consciousness, new expansion of thought and idea. And when you go there as a business person, it's risky business because you're constantly changing the model, right? Right. So the reason why he's been successful is because he knows what works. My whole thing, and and this will get me in trouble, but hopefully with all the politeness in the world, I think the last 50 years, self-help industry has done wonderful things, and yet it's all wrong. And you can use that as a teaser clip if you want. Here's why. Because the brain at the amygdala, at the very stem says, As as much as you two like me and think I'm nice and I like you, my brain's telling me, don't listen to a word they say because it's not your stuff. It's like it's outside you, right? It's got guard up. So think of it this way. Then when I finally do listen, I blueprint. So the things that I do most today are generally predictably the things I've been doing since I was, I don't know, four, five, six and the reason why the old rule of why do so few people get much out of personal and professional development and are, 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 yeah, so few, and then those who do get something out of it, they get most of the benefit. The old 80-20 exchange, right? 80% goes to 20% of the people and vice versa. There's a reason for that because we are not designed to do what other people say. That's not our nature. Our nature, we were born curious. We were born, you know, to to touch, taste, experience, feel, and to create our own way. But education, though useful, created this world where by six or seven years old, I was taught that curious questions get thrown away, and correct answers are the pathway to my fame and my fortune. Billy! Billy! Billy, pick me, you know, right kind of thing. And Billy answers the question. He gets a star on his forehead. Susie gets it wrong and she goes home and she cries to mama. <laughs> but the truth is, is if we can get that experiential, you know, curious kind of um, approach to seeing life as one big experiment instead of a stage or a performance, then pardon my friends, but who gives a rat's ass what happens? It's not about the outcome. It's about the journey. And if something doesn't work, I keep going. We live in a society so driven by performance, if I mess up once, I can't ever get another job. It's kind of a backwards thing, if you ask me.
0: With all of those things in the mix, Dee, what advice would you give aspiring agents? So would you say don't go and take any conventional kind of leadership training would you what would you say to them picking up on your point about using imagination and being creative
2: I'd say three things one what everybody else says to do do the opposite absolutely do the opposite there's too many people telling too many things as to what works and what doesn't and it absolutely sucks welches the creative necessity of what the next generation will bring to the world let's face it if we don't reinvent ourselves we're going to destroy ourselves and there's a lot of data to prove that because we're consuming the earth's natural resources at very alarming rates so that's number one the opposite of what everyone says generally speaking right now and the reason i say that is because your brain doesn't want to do what people say anyway. So let's just take the court shortcut and try something else. And then we can come back to what other people say, right? Like I have five people in my life who they have free reign to tell me anything. And I listen 100% and I adhere to, for at least a period of time to ensure that, okay, now that was an adjustment worth making. So I'm not saying be a radicalist, right? But I am saying, if a leader really wants leadership, leadership of self is where it starts, right? Like having integrity to myself and being able to say, Hey, I'm going to go for a walk today for 20 minutes, or I'm going to give a hundred dollars at the end of the month to a charity, or I'm going to help my aunt and uncle. Like, and then doing that basic integrity is huge. So do everything that people tell you not to do kind of the opposite thing to be the leader of self-integrity, and then three, play like you've never played before. If you wanna be a great leader, you have to experiment and you can't blueprint because that's boring. And millennials have a short attention span on anything that looks like something that has been before because they've already seen it, they know it, they studied it, they experienced it. Give me something new and fresh probably think I'm crazy and I am (laughs) but like this is where it's at and this kind of leader will emerge to be some of the greatest leaders in the world well I I love the fact that it is very
0: fresh and it is very different I love your perspective on that and we're going to find out more about this what do you mean by play what do you mean by experiment I'm sure we're going to get to that but we just want to go on to the next question, which I'm sure Callum is going to be asking.
1: Yeah, I'll ask that. Uh, I was just going to say, I think everything you said for about, while well, on the whole podcast anyway, but especially in the past 10 minutes, really bloody good, to be honest with you. I think what, uh, so much of what you said really like resonates with me in terms of kind of not following the general accepted path, um, just because that's kind of what everyone else does, and you kind of lose your curiosity and, you know, so many people have talent to do so many other things. Um, not to say that the general path is anything wrong with that, but I think a lot of people, um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but, you know, it's kind of sometimes tough to see outside of, like, the normal sort of thing to do. Um, and I, you say about, like, play, and, and I just think, all, I think everything you said over the past 10 minutes is just being absolutely on point. Um, cool. That'd come back good. to all of that yeah, in a minute. But basically, to wrap things up, Steve, um, your proudest moment as a leader, which I know is something you're quite keen to answer, what would you say that was? And perhaps if you could tell us a little bit more about it as well.
2: Yeah, cool. I'd say it's twofold. One is getting um, this company on the precipice of um, of real traction. Five years ago when I told people, six years ago, when I told people that I think by using Simple things like playing games and toys and puzzles and finger paints and really rudimentary ways of playing. That I told them that I thought that that was going to change the world. People would say you're crazy. Well, now we have a um, uh, a contract with one of the world's largest companies to put an entire video platform in place in 2021 and 22, all about imagination and play states. And we've been sanctioned by one of the world's busy, uh, busy, biggest and most recognizable, uh, recognizable governance bodies, the United Nations, to help solve the world's problem that they don't play well together, that people don't get along. So while the work has just started in this, and, and at 54 years young, I feel like for the next 20 years, I'm going to be grinding out, having fun, getting younger, and we're going to really establish that. So I'm quite proud to say that just getting people to say imagination's important and now asking us to work on it, it's huge value validation. But I would be reticent if I did not tell you my greatest sense of pride and leadership. I have been a study, a perpetual case study, in almost – I had a mortgage company that made me a millionaire. I lost it. I was in a gold mining business, publicly traded markets. It made me a millionaire. I lost it. I had two wonderful marriages. I lost them. What's the only common factor? Me, right? Like I, and, and through all that, at a very young age, because I'm, I'm 54 now, my kids are 29 and um, 26. So, I mean, like I really have a great time with my kids. But they saw their dad perpetually not quite get to the finish line. So um, my greatest joy is knowing that, that that's happening now and knowing that they were able to draw from the transparent life I lived. I never hid anything from them. They saw all my failure. They've seen my successes. And the fact that they love me, that's my greatest, my greatest leadership. My daughter is an executive producer in Hollywood. She was um, one of the key leadership pieces on America's number one comedy for years, The Big Bang Theory. And at 29, she stood up in the midst of this whole Me Too movement as a woman and said entirely different things about it to really get women thinking differently. She was featured in, uh, I think it was the New York Times and TV guide here in the United States as as Hollywood's next, you know, female executive, and I was like, wow, it's been worth every bit of the ride, we had dinner a few, a few months ago, and I asked her, how, what do you attribute your success to, and she's like, "Dad, that's so silly, why would you ask me that, and I like, I was just curious, because we're going to interview her for, for our podcast, and she said, um, it's obvious, you taught me that I can have anything I want, just keep my imagination alive, right? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I did teach you that. And then my son, he and I started a journey to sail around the world in six years. And I pledged to him that we would get to the top of Mount Everest by the time I'm 65. And he's just an adventure junkie. And it just thrills me that he could have lived in his sister's shadow, but he chose to live his own life. They're very different. They're amazing. They're my pride and joy. So those are my greatest leadership moments and um, hopefully that creates some inspiration for others.
0: I'm sure it will. I mean, I'm I'm loving all of that. And kind of the the fact that we lead our own leadership is so important. It is all down to us. Would you like to share as we just finished Steve around what your big project is now? I know you've touched on it, but is there something you would just like to share with our listeners about What's making you really excited going
2: forward? I would be happy to. I was looking for an object lesson because I forgot to bring any of my um, uh, object lessons. I usually carry toys with me everywhere I go. I got this crazy idea so instead I'll just use a little mug to remind everybody, right, can you see that? The Superman, oh wait I put it up there, right? Yes. Is this the Superman logo there? Yeah. Oh here, let's show the actual character. So so I think there's a superhero in every one of us. Now we have an American-based cat- cartoon called Scooby-Doo. Do you have that in English? Yes, we Yeah. Do. yeah. 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 Great, great. Then this will be this will be a great way to end. So you know he goes roll, roll, Reggie, right? You know that kind of silly stuff. Well, my last name's Rick's, so he's my superhero and he's my imaginary friend because every time he gets himself into hot water and scary situations, he manages as clumsy and as silly as is to get the bad guy, and to come, become the hero, right? And so I'm like, all oh, of the Scooby Snacks, right? And my belief is, no matter how old we are, that through states of play, we can relax the intensity that the world has put upon us like never before, with globalism being pushed on by nationalistic values that are less than useful, by pandemic challenges, by emerging companies buying for more market share and by silly wars that are senselessly old from generations ago, mm-hmm. the world is in more pain than it's ever been. And um, so my big project, imagine that is bringing to the marketplace in 2021, a hundred hours of unique viewing content to be set out in the world of Amazon prime. We're excited about it. And, um towards the end of the year, you'll start seeing teasers and trailer pieces, and um, we're gonna change the world one imagination at a time, and I'm not dying until the whole world's at peace because I believe that's the state every human being should be able to have, a life full of liberty and the pursuit of happy practices on a regular basis wherever I am in the world. And by golly, if it's in my imagination, it's already real. We're gonna make it happen. so. <laughs> that's my big project it's going to be a lot of fun the next couple of years and, and and i hope people will just follow us or everywhere they go just hashtag imagine that well on that note we will make sure that hashtag is in the podcast briefing
0: and i completely agreed that if you can imagine it it's a reality but that's probably a chat for another time
2: yeah, I well, like I have me back whenever you want. I, I, as soon as I can get across the pond, I'm gonna come visit, that's for sure. It's yeah, a I I your, your
1: your mindset and your outlook on things and just kind of your vision is just it's just really fantastic. And I think, you know, a lot of the books I've read have um kind of make me think in sort of similar along the same sort of lines as so sort of what you've been talking about, you mentioned like Tony Robbins and uh, the story you shared earlier on about kind of um, growing your business and your partners and all that sort of thing actually reminded me of another author of the book I've uh, listened to. Um, yeah, I just think your outlook and vision on everything is, is really fantastic, and I really love listening to what you've been saying. And um, I feel like we could almost record a whole other podcast easily just kind of talking about that. Uh,
2: well, whenever you want, I'll make myself available. It's been a real honor to be with you today, and um, anything I can do to support you guys having the best life, And your listeners, you just let me know, I'll be there for you. Whatever it takes.
0: Whatever it takes. (laughs) Thank you so much, Steve. It's fantastic. Thank you. you. Bye now. Bye.